This episode is brought to you by Feels. Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash no meat. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash no meat, and you'll get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. This episode is also brought to you by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers for a personalized action plan. Save 25% today when you go to insidetracker.com slash NMA. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Me Athlete Radio. It is Doug, and today I'm joined again by Izzy Fisher, who is uh, living the island life right now. <laughs> yep, I am. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have you back. Uh, it's a big week for you and for all of us, really, um, because Plant Bites, which uh, if you're a regular listen to the, listener to the episode or to the podcast, uh, or if you're on the Nomad Athlete list, then you've heard of Plant Bites before, for sure, but... Um, Plant bites are something that you created out of a necessity of, for your own training, which is, uh, I don't want to go into too many details, I'll let you do that, but um, they are a real food energy fuel that are designed to really replace energy gels and gummies, but they're so much more than that because they're made from fruit and superfood, so they can be like a snack and all this other stuff too, but um yeah, but anyway, Plant Bites, which we launched last year, are joining the Compliment family today, and they're getting a big upgrade on how they're produced and packaging and different sizing options and all kinds of stuff. So it's just something we've all been working on nonstop for the last uh, couple months, and it's really excited to see that yeah. come, come together. Yeah, it's a super exciting week. I'm, I'm looking forward to see how it goes. And so far, people seem super excited, and and just the new single packages, and the the new shape of the plant bites, and the upgrades that we're able to make combining with complement is really exciting. So we're uh, offering it for this week, and it's gonna run out soon. So I hope people can get over there to try them out. Yeah, if you want, if you're interested, go to lovecomplement.com. And uh, you'll see Plant Bites there featured right on the homepage. And uh, this week, so it's today is the 18th. Uh, and through, so you'll have a couple days running through the the 22nd of March, uh, 2021. You can save 20% with code ENERGY20. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, I don't know. It's really exciting. We have been using Plant Bites nonstop in my house. I, I use them as a like an afternoon snack all the time. My daughter loves them. And then, of course, I've been taking these new single packs out with all my runs. Yeah, the single packs is a game changer. And the the greatest thing that I've learned about Plant Bites after using them originally just for bike rides and runs or whatever, they're so versatile. Like, I have been using them. I eat them with the fig ones with a square of chocolate every night after dinner. Like, it's now my routine, which is... I never thought that I would use my workout fuel as an after-dinner sweet snack. So it's great. I really <laughs> like them. And it's, it's the benefit to using Whole Foods because you would never use your shop blocks or your gummies to, to eat for dessert. No, no. And I would never <laughs> give one to my four-year-old either. Right. Exactly. So go, go but, check them out. Yeah, check them out. Lovecompliment.com. And, uh, and really, you know, because of all of the plant bite stuff and I have been – 
nonstop writing about nutrition uh, and fueling and that kind of stuff, we decided today we were going to do an episode, kind of an FAQ on workout nutrition. I put out on the Instagrams uh, requesting questions. So we have a number of questions from from the social media audience and hopefully they listen to the podcast as well uh (laughs) that we'll we'll get to um but other than that um you're doing well you're in hawaii right now yeah Um, the roosters are going so i think it's it's afternoon for me but i guess it's early (laughs) early morning for you (laughs) sorry about that we're gonna have some rooster soundtrack the entire episode (laughs) but um it is crazy i actually learned that the reason why there's so many chickens and roosters on this island is because they dropped them off years ago when people were sailing and stopping at the islands. They dropped off tons of chickens so that there would always be fresh food on the island so they could use it as a stopover. And they also dropped huh. off pigs. <laughs> Speaking of a vegan audience, there's literally <laughs> just tons of chickens and pigs on this island so that back when they needed food, they could just stop over, come over, have a chicken and a pig because there's tons of chicken and pigs here. But um, now they're just so overrun. The island is just like all chickens and all pigs, and they're not killing these chickens and pigs on the island because they're not raising them, obviously. So they're just around roaming, and they're just totally ridiculously out of control. But, That's hilarious. So yeah. you have like wild chickens and pigs running Every, around? Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. So it's, That's funny. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. If they if they leashed out, like, if they brought one, not saying they should do this because this would be horrible, but if they brought one tiger to the island, I wonder what would happen. It would be <laughs> like a really interesting experiment, like a National <laughs> Geographic episode, because there's no predators on this island at all, except for, you know, sharks, but those are in the ocean. There's no predators. It's interesting. How interesting. How fascinating. Yeah. We, um, so in the like Tennessee mountains, which, you know, are only like 40 minutes away, half hour away from where I live, um, like the Smoky Mountain Range mm-hmm, yeah. National Park that around down there, they have a lot of uh, like wild boars. Oh. And if you've ever come across a wild boar when you're out running by yourself scary. on a trail, it is scary, man. Those things are huge. Holy and. Crap. And like we have a lot of black bears around here, and I'm you know I'm I'm pretty comfortable running into a black bear. I know what to do, and you know it's. I think two summers ago I ran it was my record. It was like 26 bears over the course of the summer. Um, Oh my god! So that's not that unusual. But boars, I have no idea what to do, and they're like they're just like much more. (laughs) They are big boys. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's interesting. Oh wow! Yeah. Anyway, all right. So let's let's get into our uh, our questions here. Yeah, which I'm excited about. So I think I presented it just as if you have any workout nutrition question, um, let it let us have it. So some of them are general. We have a couple that are more specific around um, different types of races and that kind of thing. So we'll kick it off with everyone's favorite topic: protein. Yeah. <laughs> And the question is, do you need more protein when you increase your activity level? Yeah, so this one I think varies depending on the person that you ask, um, of course, as in any nutrition question you're ever going to ask. Um, but for me and in my experience with training and athletics, and I don't know if you agree with this, but I actually don't think that you need more protein when you increase your activity level, but 
That being said, you do need more protein depending on the type of an activity that's being increased. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're generally just working out more, like, you know, just doing more workouts or maybe you're just doing some longer, slow runs, then eh, I wouldn't worry about it too much. You probably need to increase your calorie level in general and get, you know, well-balanced meals and you'll naturally get more protein in that way. Um, but when it comes to high-intensity training, if you're doing a lot of Right. When you get into that phase two of training, like we've talked about before on the podcast and some blog posts, you know, when you're moving from that building endurance into that more hitting a really hard training session where you're having short intervals or, you know, going doing hill repeats or something like that, sprints, that's when your body's going to really start needing to recover, replace that synthesis of the muscle tissue, um, and make sure that you're building those muscles and recovering so that you can hit the next session. Um, but I wouldn't say it's something, it's more for, you know, actual training back to back recovery rather than just in general needing more protein when you increase activity. Would you say that that makes sense? Yeah, I I would completely agree. I think that, you know, you, you might need more protein, but you really, what you need is more calories. And as long as you're keeping a good, you know, you know, ratio of carbs to protein, if you're, as long as you're, you're maintaining the same ratio that you uh, would normally, then you're going to get a little bit more protein and you're going to, um, you know, you're going to get a little bit more of everything. And that's, right. that's what you really need. Um, but of course, you know, if you're trying to bulk up and get a ton of muscle, if you're trying to do, um, you know, some really intense workouts, then, uh, having the protein to help with muscle recovery and that kind of thing, I think is good. Um, yeah, but, and it yeah. depends on the person, like, I I remember at one point, one of the training blocks that I did, I had a coach at the time that told me to get a protein shake with 50 grams of protein after my hard brick workouts where I was doing a long bike ride and a run after. And I didn't feel that good after eating that. But I had friends that were on my team that said they felt amazing after getting that protein mm. shake. And so it just depends. I didn't do very well with the really high amount of protein, probably because I've been eating plant-based for so long and I'm just not conditioned to be eating that much protein in one sitting. But, um, I think some people feel amazing. You know, he, he was, he was living by that and he was like, Oh, you feel amazing after eating this protein shake. And some people do. Um, so I think it's just playing around with it and figuring out what works best for you. If you, if you end your workouts and whatever you're eating or drinking, um, you still find that you feel pretty trash, then maybe that means you should add a couple scoops of protein powder in it. Or maybe that means you should, you know, eat something that's not just fruit or have some rice and beans instead of what you're currently eating and just switch it up. Yeah. Agree with that 100%. Cool. So uh, moving on to the next question here. This one is um, an interesting one. Is it best to work out fasted or take pre-workouts? So work out in a fasted state um, or to take a, a either a pre-route, pre-workout nutrition you know, eat powder something. or something yeah. or just eat, eat anything at all, I think. Yeah, so similar answers before. I think it just depends on the person and the type of training you're doing. Um, for me personally, if I'm not actually training for something, I often will work out in the morning fasted. I just feel better. I, I don't like having a ton of food in my stomach. Um, but that's only if it's first thing in the morning. You know, I kind of use the, the food or the carbohydrates that I had eaten for dinner that past night. Um, 
to power me through the workout and use something like plant bites to help me boost that's lower in calories, quicker energy, um, just to help me get me through the workout. But if I'm training for something and I have a long workout coming up, I typically use 90 minutes. If it's over 90 minutes and it's in the morning, I will eat something before. Um, and if I'm eating something big before, I typically give myself two hours before. And if it's under 90 minutes, I'll just use uh, something like plant bites, a date, um, figs, maybe even maybe a piece of toast if it's if I'm feeling really hungry. Um, but that's my typical rule of thumb, that 90 minute rule. And then the, whether I'm really training for something or not, cause if I'm really training for a race or a, or something like that, then I really try to prioritize my nutrition and make sure I'm fueling throughout just to get my body used to taking in fuel and using it. Um, when it comes to pre-workouts in terms of powders, I stay away from them. And that's only because I am primarily an endurance athlete and I'm not doing a lot of, you know, intense weight training. I find that I actually tried to take pre-workout a couple of times and, um, I took pre-workout and then I went for a swim and I had a panic attack. (laughs) Like I literally was (laughs) freaking out. Not a panic attack, but I was like hyperventilating in the water. It was also an open water swim. So I was in a cold lake. And so, The pre-workout didn't really help me do that, but I've had success taking the pre-workout before going to the gym, you know, like getting ready, like really pumped up for my workout. So it depends on the person. For me, I don't really like them, but I I do think that there are benefits to them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So my window is, we're probably a little bit different here, um, but not that much. For me, it's generally if I anything over sixty minutes instead of ninety, um, I will you know make sure that I eat a little bit of something. Mm-hmm. But it, it it totally depends on what um, what my goals are for the workout. If I'm just like not training for anything and going out for a sixty or an eighty or ninety minute run with like no goals around the run itself, but just trying to get out and have a little fun or whatever, then um, you know then nutrition is really one of the last things on my mind. So you know I'm not. I'm not going to have some, you know, make ensure that I have a set number of calories or right. a certain type of food uh, before that run. But if I'm in the heat of training and, and really focused on um, getting the most out of every single workout and every single run, for me, uh, you know, having some nutrition before the, the run is a no-brainer. And, and that will help me perform better during the, the, the run. I'll get the most out of that run and then it'll be the most efficient use of, uh, of that training, that right. piece of training. So. Um, you know, it really, it depends on on what I'm going for, but lots of times it's very simple. So I'm not taking a a pre-workout powder or anything like that, but you know, I'll just have a banana half an hour before the run or a pop up. Now I'm popping a plant bite or something like that. Um, you know, maybe a piece of toast with almond butter if I'm going out for a longer run and, um, you know, like two, two hours, two and a half hours, something like that. Maybe I'll have a, you know, toast with, with almond butter just to, uh, kind of fill my stomach a little bit more and keep me satisfied longer. So uh, it really depends on on what my goals are for that run and um, and how far I'm going to go. But very rarely am I like intentionally coming into a, a workout in a fasted state. Right. Yeah, me too. And I, I also find that um, 
when I do work out fasted, if it's a more intense training workout and it is closer to that 90 minutes, if I don't have at least like a half a banana or a date, then I find myself feeling pretty trashed afterwards. Like Mm -hmm. just can't move, can't think about anything. And then I just end up kind of like not being able to hit my nutrition goals for the rest of the day because I'm just so tired and hungry. So it does help. And I actually think, I know we've, we've mentioned this on other podcasts, but um, people will often, you know, go into a workout in a fasted state for weight loss goals. And I think that it's just an interesting touch point to mention again, because I often find that people who are trying to lose weight that actually eat a little something, even if it's a banana before a workout, have better success because they're able to kind of have more control during the day because you will feel really depleted if you don't fuel um, accordingly for that yeah. workout. So, I don't know. Just an interesting little tidbit. Yeah. Um, what do you – do you ever, like, intentionally not take in enough calories so that you are kind of almost intentionally blocking? Um, sometimes, and it's more of a test. I don't – I haven't done it often just because I'm, I'm, you know, in and out of training. I was training, and then I came to Hawaii, and now I'm – find myself I was I had all these goals of like doing all these runs and stuff here but something about (laughs) island life I just want to surf and (laughs) hang out so I am losing all of my running progress that I've gained in the past six months but that's okay um (laughs) I'll get it back um but no I when I am training in the past when I've trained more seriously for races I've been I've done that for experiments just to test my limits and see what I can do versus what I can't do so that I really know myself and and that's that's part of doing a race especially if it's longer I mean going into a workout fasted and a experimenting to see how long you can go and and really feeling what it feels to bonk because that's a feeling that you don't want to ever have once you feel it it's like oh my god I just want to avoid that especially during a race um but I've also had coaches do it for, you know, put a workout on my calendar that's intentionally fasted um, just to increase fatigue, you know, mm-hmm. during the training cycle and to increase stress. And that's not something that I would recommend if someone's just kind of creating a training program by themselves and doing it. But it is a tool um, to increase the stress without actually, you know, getting the miles in um, or getting those hours in if you if you don't have time or anything like that. It's, it's just a way to kind of train your body to handle more stress rather than actually running, you know, for hours and hours at a time. Yep. Yeah. I've done that a few times, uh, just to intentionally put myself under that stress. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I've bonked enough in real life that <laughs> I know what it feels like. It's and horrible. I don't want to do <laughs> Yeah. So it is so, really you know, horrible. Yeah. yeah. I remember actually the first time I talked to Matt Tolman about, bonking like when I was first talking about plant bites a long time ago he was like yeah I thought I was fine you know like I I always figured that I would be okay you know bonking and I, I thought I could last for miles and miles on the bike but then I felt it and oh my god I had to get my wife to pick me up and it really <laughs> is it's like when you bonk it's like all of a sudden you hit a wall and you just cannot move. You're like, I can't move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes every bit of energy. Your power just decreases. Oh, it's horrible. I haven't bonked in a while though. Mm-hmm. That's actually a great segue into the next question, um, which is about uh, ultramarathons. So this person is training for their first 50K. How many calories per hour should I eat? And I like this question because they're already framing it as calorie per hour. 
um, which uh, is a tool that I use, um, and I think a lot of people do, but especially in ultras where, um, you know, you're just going long and slow and you can kind of uh, consume a lot of calories because uh, you're not, it's not all that high intensity. Uh, so, um, and, and you want to do it per hour. You don't want to wait till you're, you're bonking at, or you're about to bonk or you're dropping in energy or even, um, you know, this kind of goes across the board with trail running in particular, uh, not, you don't want to use mileage as a, um, as a gauge, uh, for how much nutrition you should take in. So instead of, instead of doing, Oh, I'll have a gel every six miles or something like that. Um, because those miles can vary significantly depending on the type of elevation you're going on. Uh, so right. uh, I think per hour is a really good way to frame it, especially for ultra athletes or really any endurance athlete. And so I like this question a lot. And my answer is uh, I usually aim for around 250 calories per hour. Uh, I don't, Izzy, I'm interested to hear what, what yours is. But those 250 for me um, are usually some sort of uh, – have traditionally been some sort of gummy or gel about every 45 minutes. Um, and then I usually drink some calories as well. Awesome. That is a little different than for me. I think for ultras, it's a lot different just because it's so much longer and you really have to focus on keeping those that energy up, especially on the front half. Um, for triathlon and shorter races that I've done, shorter relatively, you know, four or five hour races, um, I typically do my drink mix has about 100 to 120 calories in it um, per bottle that I'm using. So I get some liquid calories there because I just can't take so much food in, uh, and then actually perform well on the run. So I'm sure with ultra running, you have to just get your body used to being able to take in fuel while you're running. It's something that I've never been able to do, but if I ever train for an ultra, then I'll have to get used to. Um, but so for the run on the bike is when I take in my actual calories, I drink my liquid and then I take in about 80 to 100 calories per hour. So it's about the same, I guess. It's it's under 250, but it's it's to, it's like 180 to 200 is what I try to get. Um, and then when I'm on the run, I actually only take in things that are really quick energy, um, whether it's plant bite type thing or some. What I used to do in the past before I created plant bites was fill a Ziploc bag with maple syrup and jam just quick, literally quick sugar. And I'd like bite it open and eat that because I really just couldn't take, I've had people that eat the like Stroop waffles or the Singer waffles or something with fat and, or more thick carbohydrates in them. But I just can't take those in when I'm running, especially running like in a triathlon where I'm actually trying to hit a pretty fast pace. Um, so that's typically what I'll do on an hour and the bike is really where I focus in on my nutrition because that's typically, you know, two and a half to three hours, depending on the course. Um, and I make sure to get two bottles in plus the, at least 80 calories an hour, but it's the more, the better always. Um, and then also on the run, I'll take salt tabs of some sort typically because I'm not drinking anything. If I were to do a full Ironman distance, I would probably bring liquid, um, or take it in other aid stations, but I don't. And it's probably, hurting me but i'm working on it <laughs> you're not taking in even water in during a half marathon i'll take it i'll like take water in at the aid stations but um not 
I'm not bringing anything. Like, I'm yeah, not taking yeah. in any electrolytes or anything like that. Um, I don't typically drink Gatorade at the, at the nutrition, at the, at the, um, aid stations, nothing like that. But, um, I'll mostly just dump water on my head, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get it. It just, like, soaks in through your skin. Yeah. <laughs> I have a real heat problem. It's like the first triathlon I ever did, I wore a, a tri-kit that was a tank top. And I was so sunburned and so hot the whole race because I got so sunburned on the bike. And ever since then, I switched to the longer sleeve because I could dump water on them and they'd like keep me cool during mm. the run. I hate mm-hmm. running in the heat more than anything in the world. I don't know how you feel about it, but I hate it, which is why I've lost so much running fitness here because it's hot and humid here and every run I go on, I'm not in good enough shape yet to go on runs in the heat and actually be able to keep my heart rate down. So it's just really defeating. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If I'm, I have to be in the right mood to run in the heat for sure. If you're like already tired and then you go out for a run and it's hot and humid, then that's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but yeah but that's all I don't know what else I was gonna say <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you know that's the beauty of ultra running is uh, I've eaten an entire burrito while I'm running before and actually running not just walking oh so. my god I mean yeah that's the thing though I guess you're just churning through everything you eat because you're running for literally 24 hours or yeah you know so yeah I, I can't I forget how many calories you burn on like a 24 hour. Um, oh, like a lot. But I mean, it's a like lot. tens of thousands, like, you know, over 10,000 calories probably. Yeah, I am. You know, I've been thinking about I was going to train for a ultra mountain bike, bike race, the level 100. But um, I don't know if I'll be able to get in because they have a really strict raffle slash qualifier and I don't have a qualifying race. Um, mm. But you're you're inspiring me i'm more and more trying to maybe look at ultras maybe like a 50k or something that's a trail run they're fun they're very fun and uh and you know and you can like there's the whole laid-back ultra mindset that i think a lot of people have especially people who are triathletes or you know experienced road marathoners or something like that where um the ultra runners don't take it seriously and that kind of thing but you know people are training hard for ultras you can run them fast and you can run them um, i mean it's pretty impressive what people are doing it's not just a walk in the woods for 24 hours that's for sure well that's like that's kind of what i want because i'm kind of sick of triathlon if we're being honest and every time i think about doing a triathlon i'm just like oh it's it's fun and once i'm in it i'm sure it'd be fun but it's just people are so serious and take it so seriously and i'm just not at that point in my life right now like i just want to train for something and do something fun and my brother is an ultra runner and he loves the community and it's so mm-hmm. it's more of a community than it is a race and and iron man is so different from that so it might be a refreshing change of place we'll see <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh well all right let's talk about the bike uh, you talked about it just now a little bit but do you have uh tips this is someone who's asking for tips for taking in nutrition on a on a long bike ride yeah so it's a little bit more logistically challenging than yep Yep, it is hard to eat while you're on the bike. And for long bike rides, actually, if you're just going out for a five, six, seven hour ride, I eat, like you're saying you eat a whole burrito on the run. I I will eat that like that on the bike too. Um, I can eat whatever on the bike. I'm not bouncing around. My stomach doesn't get upset um, as easy if I'm eating a lot of calories. And I typically do eat many more calories on the bike. Um, 
especially if it's just a bike ride. If it's just a bike ride, I will always feel before, um, whether it's, you know, a bowl of oatmeal, granola, um, a banana and peanut butter toast, something like that. I will eat that about an hour and a half to two hours before I leave. And then, um, while I'm on the bike, I'll take in some sort of, I typically I'll use something like plant bites or dates, um, on the bike ride. If I'm, you know, feeling like my stomach is a little bit more sensitive and I'll take that in every 30 minutes to two of those plant bites. But if I'm wanting something a little bit more savory, I'll use like a oat bar, um, or a peanut butter bar or something like that. And I'll just do that every hour and a half. It's just easier because I can take in one every hour and a half instead of, you know, taking something in every 30 minutes. Um, and then if I'm just doing a bike ride, I'll bring like an electrolyte drink or something. I don't really, I don't worry so much about a caloric drink, but, um, if it's a race, I do take those calories and on the bike and also take in something that's easy to digest on my stomach because I know that I'm running afterwards. Whereas if I'm on the bike, I just eat as much as I can while I'm on the bike because I mean, long bike rides, especially if there's a lot of climbing involved, like you can eat, you can't really eat enough because you'll bonk. It's just like you're burning and burning just like you are ultra running. It's a lot and climbing. Um, so I'll, I'll really try to prioritize just getting as many calories as possible. And, um, I used to not, I used to just go on three hour bike rides and not eat anything. And like the amount that my performance has, I've, I've gained so much more power on the bike by just literally eating throughout my long bike ride. So I would just say it's, it's pretty simple and it's just eat frequently early and often, as we talked about before, just feeling in general. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I don't have enough experience on the bike to, uh, to really weigh in much more than that. So yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, why don't we pause for a second to thank our sponsors? Okay. This episode is brought to you by feels. Do you experience stress or have trouble sleeping? I know I do. I really, I really do. Getting in bed is often the time that I become the most anxious. Feels is a premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep and designed to naturally help reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Just place a few drops of Feels underneath your tongue and you'll feel the difference within just a few minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding the right dose is important. Um, and everyone's dose is a little bit different. So I know that for me, if I take too much, then it makes me kind of drowsy, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing uh, for nighttime, but maybe not something you want to do in the middle of the day. So leave room to experiment over the course of a week or so, uh, and you will find that you may need to take a little bit more, a little bit less. And if you're new to CBD, Feels has something that's, I think, super cool, and that is a free CBD hotline and text messaging support uh, to help guide your personal experience. It's one of those things, CBD hemp is just kind of one of those things that I think a lot of people have questions around, and I love that, uh, that Feels offers that uh, CBD hotline. I wish more people would do stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Feels has me feeling my best every day, and I can help you, and it can help you too. I can't help you, but it can. Uh, become a member today by going to feels.com slash no meat, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash no meat to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash no meat. And this episode is also brought to you by Inside Tracker. Thanks, Inside Tracker. This is their first IT episode. I don't know if they call themselves IT, but that's Something. what I do. Technology. <laughs> yeah. It seems like every day there's a new wellness trend. Eat that, do this, avoid those. 
How do you know where to start or who to trust? Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, and lifestyle and fitness trackers to provide you a personalized science-backed traceable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests. Their blood test includes biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from traditional blood tests like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part, they don't just give you the data. They provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action, which is really cool because a lot of times you'll get, I don't know if you've ever gotten blood tests done before, Izzy, but you get like all these biomarkers and you're like, okay, it looks like I'm uh, lacking in this and lacking in that, but I have no idea what to do from here. Totally. Um, so it's awesome to give you the action plan. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering Nomad Athlete Radio listeners 25% off their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash NMA and you don't even have to use a code. Just go to, just go to insidetracker.com slash NMA. Change is an inside job, so start inside. All right. Thanks to our two sponsors. Inside Tracker is exciting. I mean, I, I'm going to try the Inside Tracker test soon. Uh, I've done the 23andMe one. And it was similar, like, it, it wasn't as focused on the things that I wanted to know. It was just pretty general on, like, genetics. And it was cool. But, I again, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know really what to do from it. Um, but it, it was really interesting. So I'm, I'm excited to see the Inside Tracker one. Yeah, I know. We both, I think we both have tests coming, which is really exciting. So, um, yeah, there'll be more to report on that when we have had the experience. But I'm excited about it. That kind of yeah. stuff is really, that sciencey stuff is really yeah, cool and like actually being able to do the changes and then test again, that'll, that'll be super interesting. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, let's get through a couple more questions here. Uh, the first one is, what do I do if I drop my nutrition during a race? Yeah, this is a good one. So I don't know. You're screwed. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is something that hits near and dear to my heart because when I was first entering the triathlon world and when I was um, training – and learning about nutrition, I so many coaches told me that I needed to train my stomach. And if I didn't train my stomach with all of the different aid station fuels that I could possibly think of and every single workout I needed to eat, clip bars and shot blocks and goose and tailwind and literally anything that you could possibly think of, I needed to consume it so that my stomach got used to it. And I was just always a wreck. Like my stomach was always messed up. I was doing workouts and feeling crappy afterwards and so I just, I don't know, I um, I kind of thought that I was lost and so I started using whole foods and that's when I really, things really started to click for my nutrition. But I always had this question in the back of my head, which is what my coaches said. They're like, if you drop your nutrition during a race, you're going to be screwed and like it's going to ruin your race. And for me, I was like, well, I'm not trying to be a professional athlete here. So if I drop my nutrition during the race, it's not a big deal. Like if I get a stomach ache, I'll push through it. It's fine. Um, but the reality of the situation is that's not how everyone feels. Even if you're not trying to be a professional athlete, like you want to do well in your race. Like you've paid for the race, you've trained for it. Like Mm -hmm. this is the time for you to show up. And if you drop your nutrition, that is a problem. And it's one of the problems that you have to foresee. And so I would say, um, I typically, when I'm training, I will use sometimes very rarely, but I will kind of test out the, the really popular nutrition um, just to see what settles best. You know, like typically every aid station will have 
a cliff and a goo or or something like that. Um, and so that's and then I'll I'll use at the aid station if I drop my nutrition what I will um, know that will hurt my stomach the least, like minimizing the damage. But what I've started doing recently is I actually put in my, like under my kit, whatever I'm wearing during the race, whether I like stick it in the side of my sports bra or put it in my shorts, um, I'll put what I said earlier, a plastic bag full of maple syrup or jam. (laughs) So something that is really easy to carry is not going to fall um, that's kind of tucked away that maybe I don't really want to use for my primary nutrition, but something that's a really good backup that'll just provide me some quick sugars just in case. Um, so instead of relying on what's in the aid station, if you know that that's going to set you up for failure, I'll put something on me that is a just used for the purpose of backup. And that's actually worked a couple times. That's what I started doing in last year when I was racing before the pandemic hit. Um, just really like, I've dropped my nutrition a couple of times, um, the whole foods that I was using because they're heavy and kind of hard to fumble with sometimes. And that, that worked, that, that was awesome. And I didn't have to use anything at the aid station. So that, that's what I would say, but you know, there's always a chance that you drop that too. I would say that if you have a backup though, that the chances are probably lower and it's a good way to solve that potential problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually remember, um, one of my first trail races, and this was, I think it was a 10-mile backyard burn in the D.C. area. I think it was 10 miles, 10K, not sure. Um, uh, I had, uh, I was running with someone who I didn't know, but we were, like, just running the same pace and kind of pushing each other um, for the vast majority of the race. And then within a couple miles to go, she went into, uh, like, grab a gel or something, and she realized it wasn't there. And I don't know if she had dropped it or if it, wasn't um she never had it or what but like she began to panic oh god and i just i just remember seeing that like panic set in for her because it it was like going to unravel her race even though you know she would have been fine it was just a couple more miles but like that mind that mental challenge of not having what you what you wanted was uh like really really challenging for her and she ended up falling way back in the race and like you know she was running really strong so I'm sure that it was mostly mental. And this has happened to me before. I've never, well, I've never actually dropped nutrition. I think, um, or I don't think I have. Uh, there's been plenty of times where, especially on like a training run, I go out and I didn't pack something that I thought I had with me. Um, or, you know, uh, I just ate through it and thinking I had more or something like that. So, um, you know, for me, I think a lot of it is, is doing what you, what you said, you know, make sure you're prepared to have backup, making sure that, um, you can handle things that are at the aid station, even if they're not your preferred, but you've done a little bit of research and a little bit of training. And then the other part is just making sure that you don't panic, that you don't, um, you know, that you stay calm, that you try to problem solve, um, and, uh, and just kind of roll with it. And if it means that you're going to have, um, a little bit of a setback on your energy intake, then, you know, that's just what the cards you've been dealt that day. And, and you just got to roll with it and try to stay positive about it. Right. And at the end of the day, as humans, we were designed to be able to go long distances on little energy. Um, this is not adequate for performance, but that's, that is the biggest part about this feeling thing is I think a lot of it is mental. A lot of it's for great performance, but 
mentally speaking, it's a lot harder to go on a three-hour run with no fuel than it is to bring fuel. And you're not going to have the best run in your life. But you will be able to make it as long as you believe that you're able to make it. I mean, I, mm. I have countless amount of times where I've been able to, I mean, you know, there have been times when I've just not been feeling well at all in my career at triathlon and I was fine. You know, I, mm-hmm. I made it and it's not, not a long-term thing that you can, your body can sustain. You can't go on long runs every day without fuel, but you can make it. Um, I think that's, that's really what you need to remember is if you drop your fuel, it's not the end of the world. It, it'll be okay. You just might be a little slower or feel a little crappier, um, but it's not like you can't finish the race. Like your body's capable of a lot more than you think it is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that, this kind of plays in really well with the next question we had asked, um, which is what to do if you're at the aid station, doesn't have your preferred nutrition. And, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about, whether like, you know, carrying your own, um, you know, making sure that you have backups uh, in the, in the ultra world. Um, you know, oftentimes I will have uh, drop bags cause they allow for you to, um, or a lot of them will allow you to have drop bags at certain aid stations where um, you can bring your own stuff, you know, you know, change anything from a change of shoes to nutrition or whatever. So, you know, I kind of, I tend to, my approach with, um, with aid stations is to know exactly what they're going to have, like do the research ahead of time, uh, read the race guide or, or ask if you have to. I mean, you know, it's not one of those things where you like want to hound the race director if they haven't posted it, but um <laughs> You know, but but try to try to do the research ahead of time so you can kind of prepare mentally for what they have and what you might want to bring, and then bring everything that you. If it's something you know you're going to want, like never assume that it's actually going to be the aid station. Maybe it'll be out. Yeah. Maybe um, they will have gotten a new sponsor, and you know the the gels that you are used to are now a different type of gel. You know, and right. and so you, you have to always assume that they're not going to have the stuff that you really need. So bring that stuff, and right. um, I'll carry it in a bag. I'll put it in a drop bag. I'll have it with my crew, whatever. Uh, to to have that, and then if they're if they do have it at the aid station, or if they have something else that looks equally good, um, then that's great. That's like bonus stuff, uh, and you can kind of save what you've what you've packed for for later or uh, for another race. Um, totally. But yeah, so so my approach is like bring the stuff, carry the stuff that you know you're going to need, and then anything else at the aid station that looks good um, or that you think will benefit you, then then go for that. Right. Yeah, that's what I would say too. Awesome. Well, I think we have, uh, let's see, we have one more here, which is a good one. Um, and this one, uh, we'll admit did not come from Instagram, but, um, it's a good one, I think, to, uh, to kind of round us out here. So it's, it's really about your story, um, and, and how, you know, you went from, you, you, you know, you, you, well, you created plant bites, right? So you created this whole food solution to, to workout nutrition. So talk to me, you know, a lot of us um, have used gels. Like we think that that's kind of the only option in gels or gummies. Um, and, you know, before I met you, like I, you know, I did do some fueling with Whole Foods. I would, of course, I would bring dates and things like that um, when I when I could, but I relied heavily on, on gummies and, um, and gels. So like talk to me about how and why you, you made the transition from the processed energy gels to... Uh, to plant bites and or a more whole food approach. Yeah. Um, and I was the same as you. I mean, I kind of just was convinced that, you know, using the gummies and gels was the only way. And 
I really think that it's it's just the way that we were conditioned to believe that work on nutrition needs to be because of marketing, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I was confused because I was adopting a plant-based diet. I was feeling really awesome in my day-to-day life. And I, I found myself feeling the worst when I finished workouts because I'd be consuming all of the sugar and fake sugar and, and processed ingredients. And I wasn't consuming that on my day-to-day life. When I was consuming that type of food and, and drinking alcohol and eating tons of meat or whatever, like, and I was fueling with all those things, I didn't really feel a difference. But as soon as I switched to a plant-based diet and started, you know, really prioritizing these extremely healthy choices on our day-to-day life, my workouts no longer really served me and neither did my training. And, and I realized it was because of what I was putting into my body. It was just so drastic from what I was used to. And, um, so I, I was looking at the nutrition labels and I was studying them and I was just like, okay, yeah, you know, these have X amount of carbohydrates in them. And I know that that's why I need to use them for fuel, but why can't I use a banana? Like, why can't I use a fig? It has the same exact nutrition profile and it's giving me the same exact amount of carbohydrates, the same amount, amount of energy. And I spent enough time in grad school, I in part of my nutrition program that I that I started, I um I spent enough time knowing how those types of macros are processed and why it's so important to have them in workout nutrition and but I just knew that I could create a nutrition label that looked the exact same, but I could do it with whole foods. Um, and I just think that people are conditioned to believe that cane sugar or maltodextrin or glycerin or sugar in general is equal to performance, which is true. Well, that's not equal to performance, but it helps with fueling for performance, but it doesn't need to come from those processed sources. And it's the same argument that you, that you make in your diet, you know, like you need, you need to have protein and you need to have fat and you need to have carbohydrates, but you don't use, you don't put all of your carbohydrate sources by just eating chips, you know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, those are carbohydrates, but like, that doesn't mean that's the best source of carbohydrates for you to for you to eat with and you know you need fat and that doesn't mean you need oreos all day like it's just it's the same argument and i just think it's kind of late and we haven't yet figured it out in the workout world um and so i just started experimenting with whole foods that i liked and i tried to basically replicate the nutrition labels of the workout nutrition that i was used to using and it was pretty easy honestly it was easy to get that nutrition <laughs> label i didn't have to like I thought I was going to have to put like 12 bananas in one serving to get the 12 or 15 carbs or whatever, but I didn't. Like it was really easy and um, I found that it felt so much better and I performed better because my stomach wasn't hurting. I felt better, so I was more looking forward to my workouts Um, and I just knew that I was contributing to my long-term health while I was training, which is what you should be doing. So that was, that was kind of the the story behind it. And I think it just really came from a place of general, genuine confusion of what, why we are using what we use in our current workouts. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's exactly, I mean, you know, speaking just for myself, you know, for the long time, I didn't, I knew that like people took energy gels, right. And that, that like, like gels or gummies or whatever, that they were optimized for, you know, giving you quick energy while you were while you were working out, but I had no idea what those ratios were. I had no idea what those nutrition labels really looked like. Uh, I just knew that some tasted better than others, and they all made me feel better um, until they didn't. <laughs> right? You know, uh, Katie. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, never mind. That's team TMI, but um, 
you know, so I, I think that it's a lot of it's just what you're, what you're, the marketing and what your friends tell you and that kind of thing that, uh, that kind of perpetuates this uh, idea that you need this processed stuff to, in order to, to fuel your runs. Um, and we've talked about it a lot here on this episode about gummies and gels and things like that. And yeah. You know, the thing is, you, you do need, or, or most of us need that type of fuel. It's just uh, an alternative alternative way to get that and a much healthier way to do it. Totally. Yeah. And I really do believe, like, I know that I'm the founder of it and the formulator and I work with the team, but I really do believe that it is the best form of workout nutrition that exists. And I've tried all of them. Um, and I, I just think that it's just more ideal. It just makes sense. Like, why would you not use real food if you had the chance to? Um, and up until now, I haven't really found any options that suit me um, like plant bites do. And so I'm really excited to bring this into the world and launch it with compliments. So I hope you guys can give it a try. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll remind everyone that you can go to lovecompliment.com and use code ENERGY20 to save 20% off. If you order this by Monday, March 22nd. Yes. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Izzy, for coming back on the podcast. And of course. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Doug. Bye.